Hello, friends. Michael Yusuf here. Thank you so much for connecting with Leading the Way and listening to this message. The entire team here at Leading the Way is committed to passionately proclaiming the uncompromising truth of God's Word. And it cannot be done without your prayers and your support and your partnership. Learn how God has uniquely positioned leading the way to reach a world that is in desperate need of the gospel when you visit ltw.org. That is ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. We have been sold a bill of goods by so-called health experts who come on television and tell you that if you diet and exercise, you prolong your life. (laughs) God bless them. It's just contrary to the Word of God. Now, I exercise for at least four times a week. Uh, Don't eat fried food. I don't eat fatty food. Don't eat processed food. I take supplements. I do all of these things. And I praise God that I have more energy today than 20 years ago. But I cannot prolong my life. Otherwise, I'm contradicting the words of Jesus because I want Him to answer that question, not me. And uh, just I was thinking about this in this particular passage from Matthew, and uh, which I'll expand in a minute. Last week, I got an email from my friend that really was uh, just kind of brightened my day, and I want to share it with you. And it's entitled, I Love This Doctor. Here's the interview conducted with this doctor. Question. Doctor, I've heard that cardiovascular exercise can prolong life. Is it true? Answer. Heart only go for so many beats, and that's it. (laughs) Everything wears out eventually. Speed up heart, not make live longer. That like say, you can extend life of a car by driving faster. <laughs> Want to live long? Take a nap. <laughs> Question. Should I cut down on meat and eat more fruit and vegetables? Answer. You must grasp logistical efficiency. What does cow eat? Hay and corn. What are these? Vegetables. So steak, nothing more than efficient mechanism of delivering vegetable to system. (laughs) Need grain? Eat chicken. Beef also source of field grass, green leafy vegetables. And a pork chop can give 100% recommended daily allowance of vegetable and products. <laughs> Question. Aren't fried foods bad for you? You're not listening. Food fried in vegetable oil. <laughs> How getting more vegetable be bad for you? <laughs> Question. Is chocolate bad for you? You crazy? (laughs) Hello? Coca beans? Vegetables? (laughs) 
Coca beans, best feel good food around. <laughs> Question. Is swimming good for my figure? If swimming good for figure, explain what else to me. <laughs> Is getting in shape important for my lifestyle? Hey, round is a shape. <laughs> well, let me get to the conclusion. This thing goes on for a bit. I don't want to. Let me get to the bottom line here. As he always said, finally, Japanese eat very little fat, and they suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. Mexicans eat a whole lot of fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. Chinese drink very little red wine, and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. The Italians drink a whole lot of red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. The Germans drink a whole lot of beer and lots of sausage and fats and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. Conclusion, eat and drink what you like, for apparently it's a speaking English that kills you. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see that one coming either. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, there can be no denying that we are to be good stewards of our bodies. As long as we, the believers, live on this earth, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And that is why Paul calls the believers' bodies temples. Because a temple is where the Holy Spirit dwells. And where the Holy Spirit dwells, abuse and carelessness of the body should not be even contemplated. But does that stewardship of our bodies mean that we can prolong our life? The answer is found in the words of Jesus, if you have not turned to Matthew 6 already. Verse 27, Matthew 6, 27. Jesus said, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, eating healthy, pumping iron, taking vitamins, they are all good for you. They will improve the quality of your life. They will make you a good steward of the body God gave you. They will improve your productivity. They will improve the clarity of your thinking. But none of that will force God's hand to extend your lifespan. And none of that will affect the length of your days here on earth. None of that will make your life a minute longer than the day and the moment appointed. Amen. It's like the doctor, that, when a patient went to see him and he said, look, if you do all of this, you'll live to be 60. And the patient said, Doc, I'm 60. He <laughs> said, see, what did I tell you? <laughs> so all of the worrying in the world will not change your date of departure. Did you get that? And that's Jesus, not me. <laughs> I would have my own opinion, but that's not what he asked for. There are some people today who are so concerned about their future. They're so worried. They're so frightened. So much so that I've heard that the gun sales are going through the roof. Now, I'm not against guns. Don't misunderstand me. 
being cautious and not careless, taking precautions, are all important. I remember when our kids were young, and I'm a very cautious person, and I'm always telling them to do this, and I'm telling them that. And when they were teenagers, they used to think I'm just a paranoid father. Now they have their own children. It's a different story. (laughs) Being cautious and taking precautions, all of that is good. But living in terror is not of the Lord. Why? Because in the archives of heaven, before the earth was ever founded, there is a document there with the date of your birth and the date of your departure written in it. (laughs) And no one and no thing can change that. But please don't misunderstand me. I know some of you will, but I don't want you to. Jesus is not teaching fatalism like our Muslim friends who said, you know, if Allah wills it, uh, Jesus is not teaching us fatalism. Jesus is teaching us to live this life in fully joy, in full peace, and in full contentment all of the days of our life. As long as we are living, He wants us to live that life to the full extent that we experience the abundant life in Christ. Listen to the words of Jesus again. Who of you, by being anxious, could add a single hour to your life? And here's the anticipated answer. No one. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it takes you nowhere. You're going nowhere. In fact, the few verses before verse 27, as I always taught you, Put the text in context. Don't grab it out of context. And, and, and I started with it because I'm going to go back to the area before. The few verses before verse 27, you will see Jesus talks about the very source of worry and anxiety. It's no use Him telling us not to worry without pointing to us the very source that causes worry. Verse 19, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. A lot of people mix this and reverse it. In fact, I heard preachers who said, you know, where your heart is, there's your treasure. No, 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 that's not what Jesus said. You want to know where your heart is? Find out where your treasure is. If your treasure is a dollar or a million, doesn't matter. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And Jesus is saying that the very source of worry and anxiety in life is the desire for accumulation of material possessions, of worldly possessions. The source of worry and anxiety is the drive for more and more and more. The source of worry and anxiety is the attitude that says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. And Jesus is saying that if you make accumulation here on earth to be your driving force, then be prepared. Be prepared. Because the God of money is a ruthless God. That God is going to give you stomach ulcers. That God is going to enslave you more and more. That God is going to control you because He's a controlling God. He's a possessive God. That God is an all-cruel, cruel master. 
and the answer to being set free from the enslavement of, of, of money is to ruthlessly give away of yourself, give away your resources, give your life to the service of the living God. And that is why he said, when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things, the Lord knows you need them, He's going to provide them. Now, please, again, don't misunderstand me. When you get to this subject, misunderstanding always happens. But here's what I want to tell you. There is nothing wrong with money. There is nothing wrong with wealth. I know people in this church whose goal in life is to make as much money as they could so they can give it to the work of the kingdom of God. And so the question is not whether you possess some possessions. The question is, do your possessions possess you? And that is why Jesus is saying here, He's saying the antidote to worry and anxiety is the use of your resources, the use of your possessions to serve the Lord. The antidote to worry-free life is a dedication of your resources for the work of God. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What is Jesus saying? Listen carefully, please. He is saying that if you are a slave to accumulation then that slavery is not a part-time hobby. That is an all-consuming slavery. You say, why? Because slaves live at their master's beck and call. Slaves serve at the master's will and whim. Slaves are fully owned and controlled by their masters. And Jesus said, you cannot be a slave to two masters. One of the two will dominate your life. The question is, who dominates your life? Who dominates your life? If it is accumulation and earthly security, material security, and the accumulation of it mastering you, then be prepared for all sorts of pain that comes from anxiety and comes from worry and it comes from fear. If your treasure is on this earth alone and very precious little going on to heaven where you'll be spending your eternity, then you can be assured of a life that is restless and discontented. Jesus said that those two masters are diametrically opposed to each other. They cannot coexist. One is going to help you walk by faith. The other is going to make you live in fear. One will supply you with peace and joy in the midst of tough times. The other will make your life miserable even in the middle of prosperity. One will give you joy and peace of mind even in the midst of sorrow. The other is going to steal your joy even in the middle of abundance. One will lead you to acknowledge Him as your only provider, and the other will give you pride in taking credit for all that you have. One will tell you to send it on ahead for your eternity, for your eternal home. And uh, the other would say, hoard it and worry about it. And so the question is, who is your master? Who is your master? 
It's the most important question you can ask yourself next to salvation. Who's my master? Why? Because the answer to this question will determine whether you will live in peace and joy and real prosperity, or whether you're going to live in worry, anxiety, and fear for the rest of your life. Verse 25 of Matthew 6, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Why is it so important to know who's your master? Because if Jesus is your master, if His kingdom is dominating your thinking, if His glory is dominant in your use of resources, then you'll be at joy and peace and contentment no matter what happens to the economy. It's so important. He said, therefore, therefore. By the way, here's breaking news for some of you, okay? (laughs) When it comes to worry and anxiety, it makes no difference whether you're rich or poor. Did you get that? It makes no difference. It is who your master is that will make a difference in your life. I have known people in ministry, in ministry, who are lovers of money. And I have known wealthy people who are not slaves to money. In fact, they use money as their slave, not the other way around. So it has nothing to do with wealth or poverty. It has nothing to do with what you have. It has everything to do with who has you. It has nothing to do of how much you have, but it has everything to do with whom you acknowledge as the source of your all. Listen to me. When you know and practice, a lot of people know, but they don't practice. A lot of people know and even pay lip service to it. But when you know and practice that everything you have is given to you, when you practice that in life, you will use it for His glory, and you will have peace in the process. Why? Because the one who gave you whatever you have right now is capable of supplying you of a whole lot more. In fact, he desires to do that for his children. If, and here's the qualification now, because everybody said, oh, I like that part. (laughs) But there's going to come a qualification for this. Our Lord is so generous, and He loves to give His children a whole lot more than they have if they are being conduits, not a reservoir. If they are being a channel and not a puddle. Only then will the Lord delight in pouring on and pouring on so that you pass it out. Now here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said three times, Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. 25, 31, 34. Now, that's not my measurement. That's the verses in the Bible. Verse 25, verse 31, verse 34. And then he gives four reasons. You have to dig deeper to get them. You get four reasons why we should not worry if we belong to Christ and using all the blessings he gives us for his glory, not ours. He gives us four reasons. Somebody asked me the question, does it mean that we must never even experience some anxious moments? No, 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 no. That's not what he's talking about here. Okay, let me clarify this before I tell you about the four things, okay? He's talking about a life 
of worry, a lifestyle of worry. He is talking about the habit of worrying about everything. We all go through some anxious moments. That's not what he's talking about. And that is why the ones who are really walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, dedicating themselves and resources to the Lord, the anxiety doesn't last for very long. It comes knocking and you send Jesus to answer the door. Here are the four reasons. Jesus said, do not be anxious. Number one, and you found that in verse 25. He says, because worry is the distrusting of God's intentions toward you. Secondly, in verses 26 to 30, he is saying, don't worry, because worry is the distrusting in the sovereignty of God. And then the thirdly, he says, verse 31 to 33, do not worry, because worrying is the distrusting of the character of God. And then fourthly, he said, verse 34, he said, Do not worry, because worry is discontentment with the promises of God. Peter Marshall used to say, Lord, save us from the sin of worrying, lest ulcers be the badge of our lack of faith. I love that. You know, I know we all have anxious moments. I already told you that, and that's not what the Lord is talking about. Because I know just as the wind blows unless you stop it, just as the water flows unless you impede it, just as the light glows unless you buffet it, you and I are going to worry and we'll be anxious. And that is why we must deal with it. No, 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 no. I did not say tranquilize it. I did not say try to deaden its effect. I did not say try to escape from it. No, no. But dealing with it, meaning surrender it, and obey the conditions for receiving, for being delivered from it in the Word of God. I believe from the Word of God. It's not just my idea or my feeling or my thinking. It's the Word of God. I believe the Word of God tells us that God wants to give His children the power to defeat anxiety. I think the Word of God from cover to cover tells us that God wants to give His children the strength to overcome anxiety if they obey the principles and the conditions for that liberty. The source of worry, in addition to what I told you, is the focus on how dangerous this world is. And it is. But it's the focus on it. But the source of contentment is to ask, Lord, how can I serve your purpose in my life? The source of worry is the focus on how can I get what I want out of life? But the source of contentment is how can I use the resources whether they're meager or great, it doesn't make any difference. The little boy's lunch fed a whole lot of people when they got to the hand of Jesus. doesn't matter whether they're many or small or a dollar or a million. It makes no difference to God. He can use it to His glory. That will bring contentment of how can I dedicate me and my resources to the service of God. 
Because ultimately, you're going to leave it behind anyway. We all will. And we have no guarantees of what the next generation will do with it. Solomon learned that lesson. And so the question is this. What are you sending ahead? What are you sending ahead? But I'm also aware of the fact that this is a message for believers. If you are yet to commit your life to Christ, if you yet to experience Him as your Savior and your Lord and your friend, if you yet to know what it means to be forgiven and receive eternal life, this message can be premature for you. You've got to go to first base first. And as we go to prayer, and if you've never came to Jesus and asked for forgiveness and received His forgiveness, you can do that when we pray. For those of us who know the Lord, walking with Him, whether it be a month or ten years or twenty years, you need to ask yourself the question, am I living in anxiety? And if I'm living in anxiety, why? And join with me as we pray for the Lord to begin the process of deliverance from that miserable sin of worry and anxiety. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, You are the searcher of all of the hearts. You know the person who's been hearing about salvation, about Jesus, who never committed their life. May this day be a historic day. And they can mark it in their calendar that this day, and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I received His forgiveness and eternal life. And Father, for all of us who have known You for years, we've experienced Your wonderful salvation. We've experienced redemption. We've experienced provision in the past. We have seen Your hand, and yet we keep falling in that miserable place again and again of worrying and anxious and distrusting in Your intention toward us and distrusting of Your character and distrusting of who You are and and all of Your hand that has worked in us in the past. Father, deliver us from that sin. Help us to trust you. And Father, I know that as we do that, we can look out because your work will absolutely be magnified in ways that we can never even imagine. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 